Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast. And this is all about helping you to become more visible, more credible, and ultimately more profitable by becoming more significant. And you have a smorgasbord of offerings to tap into. So over 50 wonderful podcast conversations with incredibly inspiring guests, each of whom are being truly significant in the world. And they're sharing wisdom and insights that helps them to continually have an ongoing impact in the world by being ever more significant. Then I have 10 Wisdom and Insights episodes where I have captured the golden nuggets from those conversations. And in each Wisdom and Insights episode, I share from either five or six episodes, the key learnings, the insights, and the practical actions that we can all take right now to become more significant in the world. And then my third offering is some snapshots of the learning that I have been doing over the last few years. I am a learning junkie. I'm constantly keyed into audiobooks, to podcasts, to TED Talks, to online courses, to mentoring. And I'm learning so much all the time that I'm sharing with my clients. And so I want to do that through the podcast platform as well. So I will be putting together very short, probably 15, 20 minute sessions on key learnings and again, key actions that can help us all to become more focused, tap into more of our potential and make a real and lasting difference in the world. So lots to choose from. And thank you so many of you for supporting the podcast over the last couple of years. It's been great to have you on board. And long may you continue to tap into the wisdom and gems of the Becoming More Significant podcast. Wherever you are today, I hope you're shining brightly. Have a great day. Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast, which is all about people who are making a real and lasting impact in the world. And I'm going to be asking each guest on this podcast how they are being truly significant. And I'm really excited today to have somebody who is making a real difference in the world right now. And that is my next guest, who is Jennifer Petch. And Jennifer is an occupational therapist who is founder of Share My Home, a remarkable matching service bringing together older people living alone with like-minded younger people for mutual benefits of shared living. Isn't that remarkable? What a brilliant idea for a business. Jennifer, my first question to everybody is, how are you being significant in the world today? We are a matching service and we pair up older people that typically live by themselves and are looking for some company and some practical support in their home. And we connect them with younger people that are looking for accommodation and have an interest in sharing um, a home and supporting an older person. And it's 
A brilliantly simple solution for reducing social isolation and as well providing affordable accommodation in a really safe and supportive arrangement. So um, I've been a founder for three years now and my, my story starts a good five years ago already when I was a humble occupational therapist working in hospital discharge and one of my colleagues, a social worker, was telling me, me about her living situation. And she, at the time, was living with an elderly lady and providing some support, um, uh, doing some gardening and some cooking. And in exchange, she had this lovely, comfortable room, living in a nice house, very close to work. And when I heard this, it was like a light bulb moment for me. So that was really what started the process and what started the journey. And really, I came to this from a purely academic point of view. So I wanted to find out about how I could provide the service, refer my patients onto similar services. And my journey started really, um, I came across a, an international congress that was meeting in a few weeks' time, and I contacted the founder, the, um, the organizer, Elizabeth Mills at HomeShare International, and I ended up going to Madrid two weeks later and meeting a group of really inspiring entrepreneurs and people that were leading this movement. So I got to learn about best practice and, and also about people's sharing experiences. So I never forget there was a lady, an elder lady from Manchester. So she had always lived with family and she was a carer. So she had cared for her father, and then later her brother, both of them who'd passed away. And in her 80s, she was suddenly living by herself. And she was living with a younger person. And she was here on stage in Madrid with hundreds of people. And she was wow. talking about her experience. And that was really humbling. And one of the key, the, the key messages when she was interviewed, she said it had been life transforming for her. And I was really blown away. That was a, a big turning point in my journey. So, yes, sorry, I just got ahead of myself there. But <laughs> I suppose, you know, being drawn into a movement where you've got very much like-minded people that are wanting to have such great impact um, was something I was incredibly drawn to. And that's really what started all off. <laughs> wow. Incredible story. And, you know, to have an 80-year-old woman standing on stage at a congress talking about the difference that made to her having a young person staying with her, I can totally understand why you were blown away by that. That's so, so inspiring. And, you know, last year I remember seeing on social media pictures of children going into care homes mm -hmm. and spending time with elderly people, playing with toys, doing jigsaws and different puzzles together. And the joy on both sides, it wasn't just joy for the elderly, it was also joy for the children because the elderly people were so thrilled to see them and that energy transmitted itself to the children and the children really looked forward to these visits and almost adopted the elderly, elderly people as a kind of surrogate grandparent. And it was just delightful to see. And I suppose in some way that's what you're doing here, bringing different age groups together, but, but matching them to, to make a... A fantastic friendship. Yes, you it's, you really summarise that so well. And 
So Share My Home is a social enterprise. So it was established to enable intergenerational friendships with very much in a, a shared living environment and um, really with people who care. And we, we achieve that. And you're quite right. It's, it's about the synergy of two people coming together and it's about friendships. And, you know, once people have lived together for a few months, it's not just about one person providing support in exchange of accommodation. It's, it's about family and supporting one another and that energy in a household, which is really exciting. It's really wonderful to be part of. Oh, I can imagine, Jennifer. It must be amazing to when you actually get the match Right. But that's something that, that I wanted to talk to you about, because that is so important to make sure that those people do have that synergy, because not everybody gets on with everybody. You know, there's certain people that you meet and you instantly connect with. And there's other people who you could meet every week of your life and, and it would always be superficial. So how on earth do you match up the right people together? Yes, yeah, really good question. And so I suppose I do the, the great work of introducing people together. So I would normally start on the practicalities of what's important for both people when they're contemplating shared living. And it's very much about starting on shared interests and, and shared routine. Um, what I normally do is introduce people on paper first. And if both parties are wanting to meet, we arrange an introduction meeting when it's very much getting to know each other over a cup of tea. And it's very much then that that magic happens. It's about the connections and seeing actually have they got, you know, do they have the same sense of humor? And actually it's, it's all about that chemistry that develops. But yes, um, it's very much two people making that decision if they have that connection or not. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of getting to know you steps. So people would meet on a, a three times before there's a move in. And we like to have a trial stay as well, which uh, the companion arrives with their night bag. And it's a good way of people testing out, seeing what it's like in everyday practice before mm -hmm. there's a move in. And what I think is really important through all of this is that it's a very safe service. So yeah. safety is our number one. And it's safe and robust, um, meaning our companions, they are vetted and have are interviewed and have comprehensive checks, so police checks, and they would either have to be in paid employment or be students. So we have that background. So that's really the foundation to the success. Fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine all that needs to be in place, particularly to put the elderly people at ease, because bringing somebody, bringing a stranger into your home, it's an incredibly brave thing to do. And whilst I can see all the benefits, I can see also that it could be quite scary knowing you're, you know, you're sleeping in your bed and you've got a stranger in your house that you haven't really got to know yet. When you, when you bring them together initially, do you ever have perhaps another family member there or a neighbour or somebody else to give them a second opinion? Yes, it's always really nice to have someone else there and it's generally a neighbour or family and it's, you know, just getting to know one another. It can be quite a big thing meeting someone. It's almost, you know, you're like a, like a, a first date and um, it's really nice that people that know them well can get together and 
um, as I said, people meet, you know, a few times and that would tend to be over a family meal and mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily having a stranger move and I think they're strangers at the beginning, but after getting to know one another and really the home share agreement sets out the expectations and the ground rules from both sides. So nice. before that person moves in, they have a really good understanding of, of what it's going to be like in, in practicalities and day to day. Wonderful. And do they just get to choose from one or, or do you give them several, do you line them up like, you know, supermodels and take your pick or you know, what, how is it done? So, so people would generally meet about six people or so before they make a decision. Okay. And that's very much, you know, a decision on both sides. It has to be the right fit for both people moving ahead because Mm -hmm. there is a commitment. And the companion uh, commits roughly to about 10 hours of support per week. So that would, it might be from, you know, making a meal or doing the washing up or taking the bins out. Um, One of our companions teaches computer skills and the elderly lady uh, that she's living with, they meet on a Sunday for an hour and they go through that together. So it really depends on each couple and what's important and meaningful for them. Wow. And, you know, isolation, we've heard an awful lot about it, particularly since since COVID-19 took hold. And people are really struggling in isolation. And I know, you know, I've been doing quite a lot of research recently for my book. And, you know, I was reading that isolation can be as detrimental to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So you must come across some incredibly lonely people who see you as a lifeline. Absolutely. You know, I think everyone can relate to being lonely and especially over this time. And it's it's not just uh, for people that live by themselves. It's particularly for older people that have been shielding for, you know, months um, on end. And what I'm finding now is that customers are getting in touch since July, August time. There's been a huge amount of inquiries again, actually more than uh, pre-COVID-19 levels. And that's because people are really missing that human connection. They're really missing, you know, that regular contact and that regular support where it's really wonderful that we can speak on the phone and on Zoom calls, but it's just not the same. Not the same as having a hug. So many people are missing hugging, aren't they? Because you know, even when you, when you do see somebody, you, you still can't physically touch them, hold them, hug them. And, and we, we need that. It's part of one of our basic needs is, is that physical contact with people. So you must have some wonderful success stories, Jenny. Do you want to share you know, a success story that comes to mind? So, yes, I have a bank of uh, success <laughs> stories and... I suppose what's really important to mention is that it's not, you know, those, those big events. It's, um, it's very much that every day it's sort of that, those little acts of kindness that I hear mm-hmm. about that for me is very much, you know, it really drives me with the organization and to provide a good, uh, you know, a valuable service. Um, I wanted to share with you a, a really lovely thank you note from uh, Pam, one of the elderly lady I'm working with, and she is living with, Ella's living with her. So she describes Ella, I'll read it to you. So Ella is a kind, sensitive and overwhelmingly helpful person. She has provided support on numerous occasions and has also transformed the life and behavior of the cat. As you will remember, it was on his last legs 
He has established really good relations with my children and some neighbors. And the most telling point is that Ella says that after work, she feels pleased that she is coming home. So oh, how wonderful is that? That is just amazing. And, and you know, for young people as well, you know, what, what a lovely opportunity to live in somebody's home and be a companion rather than, you know, having to scrape by on a, a flat they can barely afford, um, not being able to eat every day of the week and all of that stuff that comes with when you're young and you're trying to juggle being a student and student loans and everything else. But to move in with somebody and have that lovely security and that friendship in a lovely home. Oh, what a fantastic opportunity. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> so glad you think so. Thank you. Oh, so I do. I was blown away when I heard about you. And, and I, don't, I don't think a lot of people realise that this is going on. So, so how do you spread the word, Jenny? How do people find out about you? So a really good question. And that's very much part of being a small organisation, a young organisation and, and developing sort of really key marketing strategies. So what I'm finding that's doing really well is actually referrals from my existing customers. So we're receiving a number of referrals from existing customers and it's, you know, people really like passing on really good stories. And I've just had a conversation with a lady today and she knows of someone that's, um, one of my customers and she's referring me on to a friend of a friend and it's just amazing how good stories spread mm. and um I think one really important thing is, is being so close to your customers and actually really, you know, really listening and understanding and to get to know what's important to them and building a business on that Mm, wonderful. And do, I mean, when people move on, that must be quite a wrench. You know, when that young person has to move on now, they finish their course or whatever, or they're moving, moving into another role. How do you handle that when they lose a companion? So people would normally commit to roughly a year or more. So the longest um, couple that we have is going on to two years now. And mm-hmm. Yes, the expectation is that there's always going to be a beginning and an end, and it's just wonderful to see a friendship develop. And sure. um, what we what we find is when people move on, that the, the friendship continues, which is really lovely. And mm. you know, just at Christmas time, uh, one of the elderly ladies I'm working with, she's now moved on to a nursing home, and um, a companion has sent a parcel to her house, and obviously had come come back to her. And um, so I was able to connect them again, you know, after all these years. So mm-hmm. yes, it's it's really wonderful when when people you know, get, get to know each other and they become part and parcel of the family. Mm, yes, because a lot of people, you know, who live long, the relatives have all gone, the friends have gone, and they are literally all alone in the world. And that's a very, it's a very isolating place to be, isn't it? Yes, you're quite right. So within the UK, you know, with our ageing society, I mean, it's it's incredibly great to see the the benefits on one side, but on the other side, it comes with huge amounts of challenges, you know, economic challenges and social challenges and and how your community can change quite a lot in later life. And for me, what I see in the media is all about this aspiration for living or aging independently when actually 
for some people that's fine, but you know, older people are a huge, diverse group of people and they do need to have options and they do need to, you know, they deserve affordable options. It's not just about being independent and living alone at home or moving into a residential nursing home. There has to be more of a discussion around aging. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. And uh, it must give them a whole new lease of life when they get a companion in who is interested in them, someone who's coming home in the evening. They've got no, they've got someone to talk to, somebody to have a meal with, someone to go out shopping with at the weekend. It must just completely light up their lives. Yes, and it's it's also you know something to look forward to as well. You know, at the end of the day, knowing that you've got a friendly face coming home, and you know, time to pop on the kettle and sit down and having a cup of tea and talking about their day, mm. and you know, it's that support on both sides. Uh, one of the companions is a, a veterinary nurse, and you know, she's been going through some work challenges because of COVID and staff capacity, etc. And she's living with a, an elderly gentleman in management. And he's been so supportive to her through this time and giving her real pearls of wisdom. So um, it's very much about, you know, people, two people coming together at the end of the day and swapping stories. And um, yes, it's really through those everyday moments, you know, having a meal together and uh, watching the telly at the end of the day, you know, that friendships develop. Mm, of course it does. And, you know, there's so many wonderful stories and experiences that the elderly people can share with us of times when we weren't around. And they're fascinating, aren't they, to sit and listen to. For a young person, it's so um, enlightening and it really broadens your perspective on the world and, and how it was and how far we've come. And to have those two different generations sharing their knowledge and experience and perspectives, it, a lot of wonderful things come out of that, don't they? Absolutely. We also have a number of international students that come in. And it's also about learning about, you know, a new culture and, um, you know, not only is maybe the country new, but it's, you know, the, the area and the community and um, transport systems and how things work. And it's just so wonderful for a younger person, you know, being able to have that support around them. Um, one thing I didn't mention, Sylvia, which is really important, is that our companions, they're not only, uh, you know, younger people that are our students. We do have a number of, you know, key workers, those that are in the public sector or charitable sector. So we mostly women. We okay. are uh, people between the ages of sort of mid-20s all the way through to their 50s. So a very diverse group of companions. Okay, great. Yeah. Sorry, I, I kind of pigeonholed it into students. I don't really know why. I think it was because it was, you know, somebody that needed accommodation. But you're absolutely right. You know, whatever age you're at, if you're living alone, sometimes it's not what you want to be doing. You really do crave that company without the burden of having to marry somebody or commit to a relationship. So it's an ideal thing. What made you know that you would be really good at understanding and working with elderly people. Where does that come from, Jenny? It's um, so all my life, since I was 14, I always wanted to be an occupational therapist. So no matter what I do in life, I always come to anything with my OT hat on. 
And when I was 14, one of my family friends was studying occupational therapy. And I thought, how wonderful is this working with uh, people going through rehab um, that are developing life skills and, and through activity, people are actually recovering. And that was really mind boggling to me. And I thought, how great would it be to, to do arts and crafts with people and help them recover? So that's that's always really been part of my DNA, I would say. Um, mm. I studied occupational therapy in Brunel in London, and I was really drawn to the course because it was all about well-being. And, you know, this is going back, gosh, 13, 14 years ago now. And um, I was just being very lucky to always be in that space and always wanting to, I suppose, have my career, my vocation, um, really helping others. Fantastic. And what have been the lessons you've learned through this? Because there must have been some real lessons along the way, setting up, bringing people together and everything. What have been your key lessons from running this amazing business? So, yes, if I had to speak to another entrepreneur, uh, maybe that's someone that's early starting up, um, two things which are, are key would be the first is about partnerships. So mm. it's very much about, you know, um, trying not to get everything perfect right from the word go, you know, learning from your customers, testing things out, mm. always having, you know, your, your, it's okay to say to people that actually I've got a new business and you're going to be my first customer. And would you like, you know, would you, and people find a lot of benefit in that. When I yeah. came through, I was a bit worried and I was a bit concerned, like, oh, I have no customers and where do I start? Mm. Um, so, yes, very much about being involved and being present uh, with your customers and actually listening to them and, and growing the organization very much based on what they're telling you. So it's not just setting something up and then, you know, and continuing with to, um, providing a service. It's very much about that constant evolution of an organization and really having your customers at in the center of that. And I suppose the next valid point would be about learning. So in this journey, it's about, you know, learning through having some great mentors um, that you work with and having networks. So really networking with key organizations that might be delivering a very similar service or complementary service. And it's about putting yourself out there. So attending, I think my first year, I think I attended um, all the key um, healthy aging conferences in the whole of London. I mean, it was just quite ridiculous. But it's about putting yourself out there and sort of refining the model time and time again. And also listening to great podcasts and, you know, getting some great, getting some books that you can learn from. So um, it's very much that's what I'm really drawn to is the whole learning and discovering things about yourself. And you're not going to come to it, you know, absolutely perfect. It's about identifying, you know, what are your skill sets and actually what um, levels of support you need if it's legal or marketing or accountancy and really building up on your, your skill sets. So um, it's really a remarkable journey and I would recommend it to, you know, people if you're firmly passionate about something and would really like to make a difference in people's lives, I would really recommend um, setting up a business. And, you know, it's 
um, there's a, a book about the minimum viable product. And it's just about, you know, if you've got an idea, what is the minimum resources you need to actually set something up? You can then uh, test and grow it and learn from that. And mm. it's actually, it's when you break down a business, as I'm sure you know, it's um, the, some of the parts actually really quite... Um, are quite um, digestible and quite easy for people to actually establish. Um, but it's for me, it was all about the procrastination and thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to fail? And it's about, well, you know, you have to put that on the side and it's very much trusting that you're going to deliver um, mm. a beneficial product and service at the end of it. Wonderful. Great advice there, Jenny. And, you know, anybody starting a new business goes through those highs and lows and, and those, I mean, not even just starting a new business. When you're running your own business, you go through the highs and the lows because no business is ever just going to go like that. There are going to be dips and peaks and troughs. And it's important to, to recognize that we all suffer from imposter syndrome and that, you know, when we feel scared because we're challenging ourselves and we're taking a big leap, then, of course, the brain goes into the fear response and you get the adrenaline and the, the raised heart rate and the, and the sweaty palms and the dry mouth and all the reasons. The brain will give you all the reasons why you shouldn't take that action, why you should shrink back into your comfort zone. And, you know, I'm a great believer that we need to allow ourselves to feel the fear, recognize that we're feeling scared and then rise above it. And, and actually almost to celebrate it, because when we're when we're scared, it means that we're stretching and when we're stretching, it means that we're growing and that's one of our basic needs is to keep evolving and growing and stepping up so um you know I, when i'm working with people i say just welcome the fear i know it might feel scary it's just your brain trying to keep you in your comfort zone recognize it and then rise above it so so jennifer what's what happens when you've got way too many people that want to be companions and not enough people that need them or vice versa i mean is there quite a disparity between those two groups Yes, it's actually quite an emerging market. So we have um, currently just under 20 matches. So we're working with 40 people. And we have an, a number of older people that are very interested in um, being matched and, and meeting a companion. And we have a huge amount of companions. So so just before COVID, I, I had um, a lady I was working with. And we had something ridiculous, like over 200 inquiries from companions. Oh Wow. And, um, and it, it just, you know, it just means that there's a huge demand and it's very much my job and the team to sift through people and find really much the, the, the pearls, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the diamonds. And a lot of people come to this thinking, gosh, it's a great idea and wouldn't this be nice? And it very, very much depends on if the younger person has the time during their week and yeah. it's very much my my job is to make sure that that pit person you know has a good balance as well has a yeah. ability to to work full time and see their friends and family so um, that's quite key for the organisation is making sure people it's a successful match. Mm. And does it ever happen that you place somebody and after a few weeks or after a week you have to move them on? Does that ever happen? 
Yes, thank goodness it hasn't happened often. And that's the success of having that trial stay is that that beforehand. And if it's not right for them, then there's no moving. But yes, we had um, at the beginning of COVID a number of people that unfortunately they had to go their separate ways. And it was a very uncharted times um, for most people and people were really, you know, figuring out how it's going to work. So a lot of our students then decided to defer their university and, and then return back to their family home. Yes. So, yes, it's uh, it's not great when that happens, but, you know, it's, ex- it's an exceptional time. Mm. So what's next for you and home share? Where are you going with it? What's happening Yeah, so we have got some really exciting plans for 2021 and we've just taken on some more admin stuff, which is brilliant, which just allows us that breathing space and that capacity to really focus on on growing um, the organisation. So it is very much a a personalised service, so I don't want it to grow too fast too soon. And it's really important that we have this, you know, the feedback from our customers really leading the way. Um, Mm. But we've we've got some really exciting plans for growth coming up. Wonderful. Fantastic. And Jennifer, if people are interested in getting in touch with you, either from uh, meeting a companion or being a companion, how do they reach you? Yes, it's, it's always really nice to pick up the phone and just have a conversation. So all the details are on the Share My Home website. Um, and yes, we're a national service. So no matter if you're in a rural area or you know of a neighbour or you have a loved one that could benefit from something like this, you know, do get in touch. Wonderful. Thank you. And, you know, you are making such a difference in the lives of, of both those elderly people who are lonely and on their own and the companions who are needing somewhere safe and warm and comfortable to stay and somebody to get to know. And what a lovely dimension you're bringing to their lives, you know, and that's why I call being truly significant, making a real difference in the here and now. So thank you so much. I really admire what you're doing. And, you know, if you're listening today and you know of somebody who's lonely and on their own please do get in touch with Jenny and that website again is Share My Home so uh, thank you once again and um, for you listeners I look forward to you joining me again next week this has been the Becoming More Significant podcast with Jennifer Petch and Sylvia Baldock Thank you so much for joining me today on the Becoming More Significant podcast And I really hope that you've taken away some practical steps to take right now to help you unlock more of that hidden potential that we are all only scratching the surface of. If you would like to discuss how I might be able to support you in your journey into greater significance, please get in touch. It's calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock for a no obligation free initial coaching call to find out how together we can make sure that the coming weeks and months are your most significant ever. Take care.